time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome in. It is 5th Avenue Faceoff, keeping you up to date on everything Penguins as they try to march towards a 17th consecutive playoff appearance. And in the midst of Rangers week, here we are. Wondering where the silver linings are of losing Thursday night to the Rangers. Just looking putrid against the Montreal Canadiens at home, no less, on Tuesday night, giving up 10 goals between those two games. And wondering if you have what you need in net. Tuesday night against Montreal, the third time in three weeks, Tristan Jari was pulled. Uh, Very rusty since coming back from injury. But then you get him Thursday night against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. And there were times during the first period, especially, where he was perhaps the only reason they were still in that game. They lose nonetheless Thursday to the Rangers. And here we are now, eight points back going into Saturday night's game of the Rangers in the standings. The Pittsburgh Penguins are, sorry, 10 points back. uh, Eight points back, even if they win in regulation against the Rangers on Saturday. So chasing down New York for the third spot in the Metro, less and less likely by the day, unless the Pens go on just a mammoth run. And look, they've won seven out of their last 11. It's possible. It's in there. We know it is. I mean, you saw the way they played against the Rangers on Sunday. And so it's in there. The question is, how often can they bring it? The consistency continues to lack with this team. Uh, You can go back to past episodes. That's the key word uh, that Jackie Redman used from NHL Network when she was on with us earlier in the week. That's the key word Eric Tangrady keeps using when he jumps on a couple times a week. That is the word for this team. Two words will tell you the tale of the Pittsburgh Penguins and where they're going to go a month from now when the playoffs finally start. Consistency and goaltending. If you get both, consistency and goaltending, I think you're going to see a team that might be able to upset either Carolina or New Jersey in the first round. Boston, eh, I don't know. Let's hope they can stay out of that final wildcard spot and not have to face the Bruins in the first round. But I think they're capable of beating Carolina or New Jersey if they get both consistency and goaltending. Two big ifs, though, because they haven't gotten them since before Christmas, really. Uh, And as long as that's the case, then they don't get through that first round series. Although with Sidney Crosby continuing to do what he's doing, I think 18 straight seasons of at least a point per game. Now he clinched that on Thursday night in New York uh, of Kenny Malkin still playing well, more often than not Chris Letang, same for him. Ricard Raquel has J- Ricard Raquel and Jason Zucker. Where would this team be without those two guys there? They might be the key. If you get consistency and goaltending, that might be enough to get you through the first round. To get you through a second round against whoever it may be, you're going to need not just consistency, not just goaltending. You're going to need both of those guys to continue to show up in a big way. Raquel can play on any line on this team. We've seen that and provide an offensive spark to it. Jason Zucker is just pure liquid energy. He's five-hour energy in skates. As long as those two guys are producing as well, this team has a chance to perhaps surprise some people once the playoffs start, assuming they get Say it with me now, consistency 
and goaltending. Big episode of Fifth Avenue Face-Off today. I'll tell you about how the schedule uh, will shuffle just a little bit for the podcast next week. Actually, this weekend into next week. But that's for the end. All you got to know is subscribe to it inside your Odyssey app. Tap the little follow button up in the right-hand corner. Or like and subscribe on YouTube, 93.7 The Fan's YouTube page. You'll get new ones sent to you or notified of new episodes as soon as they're ready. Uh, Wherever you get your podcasts, actually. Just subscribe rate, review, like, all of that. We appreciate all the feedback. Uh, the next episode, Sunday, we'll hope to get somebody on to chat with us, but we'll also do maybe a little bit of a mailbag episode for Sunday. So if you have questions, you have comments, chris.mac at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. Today's episode, though, Sean Marash from CBS Sports Radio, big Rangers fan. He and I have a bet. We'll explain that. Seth Rohrbaugh of Trib Live, who covers the Penguins, Uh, Gives us his feedback on what he's seen so far during Rangers week and uh, Thursday night's 4-2 loss to the Rangers at Madison Square Garden in particular, where it goes on Saturday, back at the Garden again against the Rangers. All that with Seth next, right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome in 5th Avenue Faceoff. Uh, another edition here during what we're calling Rangers Week. It is Rangers Week, and Rangers Week has been decidedly Penguin-like in the meeting between these two teams because it's been wildly inconsistent. Seth Rohrbob, Trib Live, joins me to talk about the significant inconsistencies of these Pittsburgh Penguins. Seth, thanks for doing it. How are you? Uh, very well. Yourself, Chris? Good, good. Except I can't... I, this has been the refrain now for approximately three and a half months. I can't figure this team out. Even in the midst of their loss to the Rangers at Madison Square Garden on Thursday night, I find myself being pleased by some developments at times. Yay, Ricard Raquel can make any line look great that he skates on. Oh, Tristan Jari looks like he may be himself again, himself being an above-average regular season goaltender who knows what we'll get in the playoffs. But then at the same time, they don't put piece together another 60-minute effort. They come out looking sloppy early. Uh, the guys who have been sloppy, your Jeff Carters and Brian Dumoulins of the world, continue to be sloppy. So... In this 4-2 loss to the Rangers at Madison Square Garden on Thursday night, where are Seth Rohrbaugh's silver linings, so to speak? Well, for me, I I thought the most significant development was just Tristan Jari looked like a starting caliber goaltender. Uh, That's a huge step forward for him. And uh, maybe that's, you know, damning with faint praise. But, you know, just given the fact that he had been pulled, what, twice in the past, in the previous eight days or something like that, that's just a good step forward for him to just show that he's still capable of being this team's number one goaltender uh, for at the very least the remainder of this season, you know, the, the off season is a whole other matter, but um, just in, you know, a micro focused uh, granular level, uh, Tristan Jari offering a pretty stout performance and, and frankly, keeping that team, uh, keeping the Penguins in position to potentially win that game on Thursday, I thought was a huge development or a few huge step forward for him. Now the real challenge is, can he do it in, game, in the second game, the third game, so on and so forth? I mean, you know, we've seen this where, okay, he looks good for one game, then he looks like garbage for the next game. So 
Um, he needs to string a few games like this together, uh, you know, for, I guess, you know, real faith to kind of be instilled in him uh, as being the team's top goaltender going into a presumed postseason run. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, there wasn't much great, you know, to be optimistic about or happy about with this game from Thursday, but uh, just the fact that Tristan Jari looked like a, a capable number one starting goaltender, I thought was a huge development. So between the two games over the weekend, look, the Flyers are what the Flyers are, which is in rebuilding mode now, uh, moving on to a new GM and everything. Uh, Between the Flyers game, a really ugly loss to Montreal, and these first two games of the three against the Rangers, um, do you look at this as, as a team that's generally trending in the right direction, the wrong direction? What's your general impression of the four games between this past Sunday, or excuse me, this past Saturday against the Flyers, and leading up through Thursday night in New York? It's definitely a mixed bag. I mean, you look at the game on Sunday, that's a great win against the Rangers. Then they follow it up with just a clunker against a, a terrible team like Montreal. And, and frankly, I thought, you know, the Thursday game, I mean, yeah, it's a loss. It's not good. But, I mean, that's a pretty good team that uh, uh, on the road for the Penguins to lose to. And, you know, for the most part, they were in that game. For You know, I mean, it was a one-goal game until, you know, the empty netter late in, uh, late in regulation there. So, uh, it's a mixed bag. It's hard to say, yeah, they're going one one direction or another. For me, it's always seems like this team this season, for the most part, it's like three steps forward, two back, four right. forward, five back. Um, if you want to look at their last five or six, seven games, whatever, I, you know, I, I guess it's positive momentum. It's albeit maybe just incrementally. Um, but um, they've had worse stretches uh, of play. I certainly uh, within the past two or three months than they've had the past two or three weeks, but uh um, certainly I, there, there's a lot to be desired, but, uh, I, I think it's fair to say it's maybe going forward again, albeit all incrementally. It felt like they may have dodged a bullet, uh, to some extent when they were able to get Ruda and Petrie into the lineup after the injuries they suffered against Montreal, but then Petrie goes out again. Um, nonetheless, they have blue, some blue line depth. Um, is, is it just, what what is it from Mike Sullivan in your opinion that keeps him from simply sitting Brian Dumoulin at a certain point? You know, I think of the Zabanajad goal last uh, night uh, and I think of his blind between the legs pass into, into the high slot to no one that goes back the other way that leads to that goal for Zabanajad. I think of just a lack of coverage in front of his own net. As much as we've talked about Jeff Carter, uh, up front and a, and, and a veteran who's probably worthy of a seat in the press box. Dumoulin strikes me as a guy who's merely getting by on his ability to, to pair up with Chris Letang at times uh, for one of the few passing reasons he's still in this lineup. Does Sullivan really believe um, that he can, he's a useful piece, especially once the playoffs get here, or is this just blind belief in a veteran? Well, it's twofold. Uh, first and foremost, they just don't have anyone else right now to play in the lineup. Um, they, I don't, I don't, I haven't looked at their cap figure today, but uh, yeah, I just don't know that they necessarily have the cap space to recall, I don't know, Mark Friedman or, or whoever uh, from Wilkesboro right now. And I know a lot of people look at Ty Smith. He's still out with uh, with facial fractures right now from a from a game from several weeks ago. So Ty Smith's just not an option right now. So they just don't have any other left-handed defenseman to put in the lineup, particularly with. Uh, newcomer Dmitry Kulikov sideline until at least I think it's April 6th with um, the LTIR designation. So there's just no other option. Second, yeah, I mean, he does have faith in Brian Dumoulin. And, you know, that's maybe one of his shortcomings, if you want to label that, uh, that he tends to just, you know, place unwavering faith into veterans. And 
um, is apprehensive towards sitting them or even demoting them. Um, and, you know, Brian Dumlin's, you know, a guy that, you know, he's one with. He's a, that's a guy that, you know, came up, you know, through Wilkes-Barre and stuff like that. Uh, been a good soldier for the organization, if you'll pardon the military reference. Um, th- this is a guy that's very respected in the locker room, too. He's probably one of the more vocal guys in that locker room. Uh, you know, when a young player has a mistake or something like that, Brian Dumlin's, you know, one of the leaders, I guess, that'll pull the guy aside and say, hey, forget about it. Let's move on, go, go on to the next, next shift, next period, what have you. So... Uh, you know, there would be obvious, you know, ramifications if you did change, you know, your lineup, you know, maybe for the positive, if you did, you know, you know, play Brian Doom a little less or even scratch him. But I think there'd be even, you know, larger ramifications from an intangible standpoint if you did scratch him, just how that would that affect the chemistry of the room. But more than anything, I think the biggest underlying or overlying factor is just the fact that they don't have anyone right now as we're talking here at uh, 1.43 p.m. on a Friday, so... So up front, then, um, do we? Is it the same thing? Are we just looking at it, saying, okay, can if we get to the playoffs, maybe we'll have a little more flexibility because we don't have to worry about the cap, and maybe we can call a, a few black aces up to take some of the the minutes away from a struggling Jeff Carter or whoever else it may be that they'd like to pull from the lineup. Um, is it as simple as that? Just getting to the playoffs where you don't have to worry about the cap anymore. Is there, uh, again, more blind faith in a veteran like Jeff Carter, even though he's he's simply not producing in some situations? I mean, the minus four the other night against Montreal is just atrocious. Um, is, is that what it is? Is it just blind faith to a veteran from Sullivan again? Probably more so in his situation compared to Dumlin's. Uh, they maybe at the very least have one option there with Danton Heinen where you could slide, you know, Ryan Paling or, you know, Drew O'Connor to center and uh, move Heinen into the wing on the fourth line there. So there, there is at least right now one tangible option with the lineup in that regard. Uh, and there, but, but that said, there aren't many options with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. I mean, I think Jonathan Gruden would be your only option there. And, you know, all due respect to him, you know, I thought he afforded himself well, but um, I'm just not sure what he would offer you right now. And, uh, at this stage of his career. And obviously Sam Poulin just returning to the team after taking a, a hiatus for his mental health. He's not in position to be recalled anytime soon right now either. So uh, they just don't have many options. We'll start scrambling the recall for a center position. Now, if you want to maybe, you know, getting them being flexible with guys, like we said earlier, O'Connor or, or, or Ryan Paling, you, know, you maybe call up a guy like Philip, Philip Hollander, pardon me, mm-hmm. um, and things there. But um uh, I think for the most part, though, the biggest underlying factor there is just that they have a lot of faith in J- Jeff Carter, you know, for better or worse. And uh, on top of that, too, Jeff Carter is their only right-handed draw right now. So um, there's a reason they put him out there uh, for a lot of key face-offs. Uh, you know, often, oftentimes it's on his strong side because, you know, again, only right-handed draw on the team at the moment. So, um, again, maybe that faith's misplaced. Uh, you know, certainly the results are, you know, whether you want to look at, say, base offensive figures or maybe some of the advanced metrics would su- suggest that, you know, playing him less or putting him in a, you know, in the press box for a night would do him some good and do the team some good. But um, there are some tangible reasons, but I, I think it's fair to say there are maybe some uh, intangible reasons that probably pay a bigger factor into why Mike Sullivan uh, remains resolute and keeping Jeff Carter in his lineup. Before I let you run, Seth, I'll ask you this. What's the best alignment on the right wing? Uh, from line one through three for this team. Because as I look at it, um, I, I look, it, you can put Gensel, Crosby, and Russ together, and they'll find some magic sometimes. Other times, not so much. Um, it ends up being Gensel and Crosby, and Rust is just sort of 
chasing them around or chasing the puck around in some cases. For my money, it's Raquel up there with those two. And I'd even go so far as to say Nylander has impressed me on the right wing with Malkin and Zucker, and that that would give you the ability to sort of even things out by putting Russ down there on the third line with Granlund and O'Connor um, in a role where uh, he can do a little bit of everything. And he, and he is, I, I think, whether people give him credit for it or not, kind of a jack-of-all-trades. He does have a 200-foot game. He's got penalty killing in his blood as well. Um, what's the best alignment down the right wing for this team? Well, I mean, if you put Raquel and Russ on the top two lines, however you want to put them, then it basically becomes a two-line team. And that's just not sustainable if you want to have any kind of postseason success. Um, I, I kind of dug what they did starting with the Philadelphia game on Saturday where they put Raquel on that third line, and, and that line produced two goals. And albeit, you know, that's against an inferior opponent like Philadelphia, which is in full-on rebuild mode. But um, that created some balance, uh, or at least, you know, the the perception of balance uh, throughout at least your top three lines there. And, um, you know, Granlin, I, mean, I, I think Granlin is a very talented player and I, I don't know if we've fully seen what he can do here. He's just scratching the surface here uh, right now with his time with the Penguins. So um, I'd like to see Granlin get, you know, some opportunity to play with some fairly talented player. And he, you know, again, it, him and you know, Raquel produced a little bit in that Philadelphia game, albeit against a, a bad team. But um, for this team to have any kind of success in the postseason, and maybe that's a, a futile suggestion, uh, just given what's going on here for them to have any kind of success in the postseason, they need that balance. And that's nothing exclusive to them. I, I think any team that ultimately does have success in the postseason is, um, you know, is constructed in a way where you're getting contributions from at least your top three lines, if not your all four lines. Um, you know, we saw that with the two Stanley, two most recent Stanley cup championships here. Um, we've seen that with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado avalanche where, you know, I know what Steven Stamkos is going to do. I know what Nathan McKinnon is going to do, but what's, you know, Ross Colton going to do for you? What's Logan O'Connor going to do for you? So you need, you know, a Danton Heinen contribution. We saw that a little bit from Danton Heinen last year where he was playing kind of like a, a bottom six role. He scored three goals in that first round right. series against the Rangers and helped that make that a competitive series. So you need guys from those depths of your roster to, to, to produce. And uh, frankly, I think if you just stack up Raquel and Russ, whatever order you want on the top two lines, you really just are giving up on your third and fourth lines being uh, any, any kind of contributors. Well, we'll see how they handle Saturday night in New York. Uh, the Pens now ten a full 10 points back of the Rangers without any games in hand. So that uh, what may have started as a bit of a pipe dream of catching the New York Rangers in the standings becomes even less of one if they should lose in regulation again. Uh, tied with the Islanders, although two games in hand right now in the wildcard race. Seth, thanks for the time today. Really appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch up again soon. Anytime, Chris. You start to wonder without any games in hand against the Panthers of the world, for example, uh, or the Buffalo Sabres, for example, uh, are we back to a point where we're worried about the Pens making the playoffs? I, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. Just three points up on Florida, six points up on Buffalo. Eh, but at the very least, uh, if they're, even if they're not going to catch the Rangers, you'd like to see them win the season series against the Rangers, which would involve... Uh, at the very least, a win Saturday night at Madison Square Garden. I'd also like to see it because I have a bet with a friend of mine, Sean Marash of CBS Sports Radio. He is a giant Rangers fan. I am a big Penguins fan. We have a bet. I'll explain that bet, and we'll get Maraz on the show next here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. 
time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack of the Fan Morning Show, Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Make sure wherever you're listening to this, you are subscribed so you get the latest episodes as soon as they are ready. Working our way through what we're calling Rangers Week as the Pens and Rangers play three times in seven days. The final meeting of those three, Saturday night, Madison Square Garden. Look, the Pens probably aren't going to catch the Rangers in the standings at this point. Ten points back of them. Uh, with just 14 games left to play. Probably not all that realistic, but this is still a very important game Saturday night and a very important regular season series between the Rangers and the Pens. Why? Because I have a very important bet on this season series with my friend Sean Marash of CBS Sports Radio. You can catch us Sundays as well on BetQL's five-star weekend. Mraz, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Chris. I'm enjoying Penguin Week, I guess we will call it, from our our universe and the Rangers with a much-needed win and a clutch goal by Chris Kreider to kind of put that 10-point cushion and you know make Saturday night as close to irrelevant as far as keeping out of the wild card as the Rangers could hope. Yes, a regulation win for the Rangers over the Pens on Saturday night would really come as close as you can get to sort of clinching a top three spot in the Metro. Um, I want to get in in a couple minutes to who who you'd rather face in that first round series because Carolina and Jersey are duking it out with games in hand on one side and points on the other side. Um, I, but let's start with this bet. We thought of this way back. God, it must have been what? Like last June, I think it was. Yeah, right when I think right when the Stanley Cup had had basically wrapped, the Rangers right. were a couple of weeks eliminated from the Eastern Conference Final, and you know you and your brethren couldn't let go of the Truba versus Crosby hit. That dirty son of a bitch. Uh, look, he he got his elbow up into Sidney Crosby's head, and it changed the series. I mean, the Penguins were this close to beating your Rangers with a third string goaltender. I, I do have to give you credit, though. I did text you immediately when Tyler Mott had the accidental elbow last night yes. as we are taping, taping this on uh, what the heck days? I don't even know what Friday. Day yeah, today's Friday. Friday. So last night. Yeah. And immediately, uh, you know, I don't think it's that dirty. OK, I thought, you know, you have to be very sensitive with the Pittsburgh fan, Mac. You never know anything up and high. They're going to lose their mind. Well, you also got to be very careful around the Rangers. If you're a Pittsburgh Penguin superstar, it goes back to 1991 and that dirty, rotten Adam Graves on Mario Lemieux. You understand, Mraz, my mother, my mother, a good Catholic woman who goes to church every Sunday, volunteers in the rectory and all that. There's one person she still hates 30 years later. It's Adam Graves because he slashed Mario Lemieux on the hand in 1991, which, by the way, was a series the Penguins still come back, came back and won on their way to that Stanley Cup title. That's Um, great. Oh, (laughs) we're still very happy about it here. The first of five Stanley Cups in the time that I think the Rangers have won. Yeah, I've seen one in my life. I was seven years old. I get it. I get it. Okay, good. So we got that cleared up. Nonetheless, this is a huge bet because whichever team wins the season series, the fan of the other team between the two of us will have to win a shirt, jersey, jersey, shirt, whatever it ends up being whatever you can find on Amazon for quick delivery of the opposing team's captain. So for example, should the Penguins uh, win on Saturday night, they will win the season series against the Rangers. And you, my friend, will have to do an entire 
uh, show of BetQL's Five Star Weekend, which again, every Sunday morning from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on the BetQL network and Next your time. Odyssey app, uh, you will have to do an entire show, all three hours, with a Sidney Crosby shirt on. If the Rangers should win in regulation on Saturday night, I will have to do an entire version of that show with a Jacob, wow. sorry, a little vomit in the back of my throat, a Jacob Truba shirt on. Yeah, now hold on. We go, we are going to go to some kind of tie break if the Rangers win in overtime, though, because we both have five points. We would both have five points. Let's see. Who would have more regulation wins? I, I guess it'd be even, it right? It'd be even, yeah. So yeah. we have to figure out something there. Ooh, we'll maybe figure- the tie break should be who won the playoff series last year. Or maybe it could be who has more Stanley Cups. Oh, jeez. I mean, it's just a thought. I, I do have to say, Mac, there was a point in time I couldn't believe Shesterkin gave up the second goal to make it 2-2 in the third period last night where I went to my phone and I went to Fanatics and I said, all right, what am I looking at here? Yeah. What am I looking at here? And Chrissy Kreider made me sweep and delete the cookies. <laughs> You've got that link. I texted it to you the other day. Keep it handy for that Crosby shirt. <laughs> I sent the Amazon link to you. Uh, that you know, you brought up Shostarkin. I wasn't going to bring him up because it it feels like he's just rolling along and doing his thing, and is probably the key to the Rangers going on a run if they're going to go on one. Sure. I hadn't planned on bringing him up, but what's the confidence level in this guy doing what he did last year all over again this spring? Certainly higher than it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I mean, that's for damn sure. I mean, Shesterkin had been basically an enigma at points this year where when he's hot, he looks like the best goalie in hockey. But when he is cold, he looks like the worst goalie in hockey, which you saw none of that last year. So, you know, he hasn't been what Sorokin has been in our town over here with the Islanders this year. But the last three weeks, he has stood on his head. I mean, the Rangers had a couple of these overtime wins, including one up in Montreal where Without Igor Shosturkin, they are just dead in the water. Now, uh, Yaroslav Halak has spelled him more this year than the Rangers, you know, basically had him spelled last year. So I think that's, I don't know if that's hurt his rhythm and ultimately might help him in the postseason. But you saw on, uh, I keep forgetting, Thursday night. Geez, I really got to get a grasp of days here, Mac. (laughs) On Thursday night, you know, Shosturkin was really, really good. But then the couple goals he gives up, you look at it and go, well, how is he giving those up? And at the end of the day, if you're giving up two goals with all the skill the Rangers have, that should be enough. But it's just so frustrating that he makes the most acrobatic saves and stands on his head. And then some of these goals just seem so soft that he gives up. Well, and that's what's that's what's kind of wild to me is that as well as we know Shosturkin can play, we're not necessarily sold here in Pittsburgh on what Tristan Jari may or may not be able to do come playoff time. Uh, he's been really rusty since coming back off of injury about a month ago. Uh, he's been pulled three times in the last three weeks. Not entirely his fault each time, but he hasn't been, he hasn't made the big save that he needs to make until last night, a couple times in the first period, especially he made huge saves to keep them yeah. in that game. The Rangers could have taken control. So, What's he got Tarasenko, and that's what we're calling he it here did. now. Every time Vladimir Tarasenko winds up, the puck never finds the net. The goalies are making outstanding saves. It's been the story of him since he's been acquired. He's he's breaking panes of glass. Yeah, it's it's um. But it, with both of these goalies, it strikes me that it, you know both of these teams could end up meeting in the second round because if they get a hot goaltender, yeah, it it, it it's enough to steal a series. So I guess that that brings me to, you know, who who would you rather face in the first round as a Rangers fan? And are are you again, are you confident enough that Shesterkin is enough? Let's say the Penguins somehow steal one. Let's say it's it's Kane's Kane's Pens, Devils, Rangers in the first round, right? 
Yeah. Um, and Shostarkin gets you through one round. Would you then go ahead into that Penn's Kane series feeling good about what Shostarkin could do? And which of these two teams, the Devils or the Hurricanes, would you rather face right now? So, first, let me just say this. First of all, with what the Rangers have done, acquiring Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, and to a lesser extent, Mikola, as basically their sixth defenseman, if the Rangers don't get out of the first round versus either team, you're talking about one of the biggest massive disasters in New York Rangers history. Like that, for a team that hasn't won a Stanley Cup, like you don't add the – they feel like they're an Olympic team on their top three lines, so it would be a disaster. That being said, um, my lean was the Hurricanes. Now I'm all in on wanting to face the Hurricanes. Like the lean oh. has gone all in it's because Svechnikov has been lost for the year and he's such a pain yeah. in the ass. Uh, last year, where the Rangers ran into trouble in the Hurricane series that followed the Penguin series was they couldn't win a damn faceoff because Vincent Trocek was winning all the faceoffs. Now the Rangers have him, which is going to be enormous. So now you're telling me a Ranger team that is added Kane and Tarasenko, also stole Trocek from last year's Carolina team. Carolina, okay, they've gotten better with some veteran blue line guys, but where, and now Svechnikov who just lives with all the shots on goal on net. I just don't envision a scenario where Carolina has enough to score enough goals versus this Ranger team and win four games in a series. The Devils, to look, the Rangers should beat the Devils, but they kind of remind me of the Rangers a year ago. Loaded, ton of weapons, and you just wonder, you know, is this the year they need to kind of go through the fields before they're a legitimate Stanley Cup contender next year? But even with that, they could win a series or two before they run out of gas like the Rangers did a year ago. So I think the Devils definitely are the worst matchup for the Rangers. Doesn't mean the Rangers won't beat them, but I am all in on facing the Carolina Hurricanes at this point. You mentioned Tarasenko and Kane. Um, Kane, I thought, had an awful game on Sunday against the Penguins. Uh, oh, he was terrible. Weekend. Terrible. And he had that whole sequence where he, you know, basically causes uh causes the shorty, then comes back and scores. Right. Um, but for the most part, let me just tell you something. Patrick Kane is starting to fit like a glove. I think he's he had a little nerves early on. My one issue would be where he, you know, needs to live on the power play. They have him and Panarin working together right now. Both of those guys, I mean, can one of them shoot the damn puck? All they do, yeah. do is pass, 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 pass. So Kane needs to start sniping. But to that point, yeah, Sunday was probably his worst game as a Ranger so far. So how how are he and Tarasenko? Tarasenko's had more time. Yeah. Uh, but how are they starting to fit in? You mentioned Kane, perhaps. And I think this happens to superstars when they get traded, especially at the deadline. They try to do too much, and they try to make the the pretty pass and – Try. They want every goal to look like a highlight reel goal. When it, in some instances, you just need like you mentioned, Kreider uh, Thursday night in the game deciding goal. Sometimes you just got to go to the front of the net and hope something good happens. Um, is Kane starting to let that come naturally to him? Yeah, I mean, if you were to ask me right now who, you know, I trust more, the trust level is obviously Patrick Kane right now. He's already scored a bunch of goals for the Rangers. Um, and clearly you could just see where, you know, his grittiness and, you know, kind of knowledge of the game comes in. Tarasenko on the flip side, I mean, he's been a minor disappointment. And it's not all his fault, but there were moments, especially in those first couple of weeks, where frankly it just looked like he was dogging it, getting back on the other end, you know, kind of causing the Rangers to give up a lot of shots. He felt like a, a a minus on the ice every time he was out there. But now he's starting to shoot the puck a lot, and then the guys that shoot the puck, he just can't he can't find the net. I mean, you got to see the acrobatic saves that have been made on Tarasenko for the last couple of weeks. It's been unbelievable. But Kane is in good rhythm. I think where the Rangers need to find themselves right now is what is the right combination of those front six. They have the kid line with Lafreniere, with Hedo, with Kako, which is going to cook. They cooked versus the Penguins last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're a matchup night where as a third line, 
But ultimately, right now, I, I mean, they they went into it with, okay, Panarin is going to play with Kane now. They've already flipped that around. Kane is playing with Trocek and playing with Kreider, which I think fits because both of those guys, Trocek and Kreider, like to shoot, and Kane likes to pass. And Panarin now has been put back with Tarasenko uh, and obviously Mika Zibanejad, and those two guys like to shoot. So I think that might be the, the fit going forward. But with that, you know, I just I think good luck is going to come for Tarasenko. I am a little worried though that their power play, instead of being you know boosted by having these couple guys, there's too many cooks in the kitchen over two units now, and I yeah. think that's what's going to hurt them a little bit. Yeah, it, it. I think once they find it, like you said, it's it's going to be dangerous. But finding it can be difficult when everybody's just trying to set up the other guy. Yeah. Um. So before I let you run, real talk now, is it more that you guys hate Sidney Crosby? <laughs> Or you're just jealous of Sidney Crosby? Well, okay, I'll admit there's a little bit of both. I, uh-huh. I think that when the lottery was happening for the origins of Sidney Crosby, and obviously it got rigged for the Penguins to get him to make sure a team stayed in Pittsburgh. Um, lottery! That, that became very, yeah, I mean, look, we had it happen here with Ewing in New York with the Knicks. We understand how it works. You know, a little extra icy envelope maybe works out that way. <laughs> um, I think there was belief the Rangers were had a good shot of winning that lottery. But, you know, look. The Rangers and Penguins, Mac, you know this, they've been through wars in the Crosby era. Mm -hmm. And this is a fan base here in New York that is just so desperate. I mean, you look at guys like me now, you know, we're going to be mid-late 30s. And for us, the Stanley Cup is our first moment of loving sports as a child. Well, you know, you've seen other teams in this town win. The Rangers have been so damn good. They went through the Lundquist era, made a cup, all these Eastern Conference final. And you watch Crosby win the Cups, and it's like, how come that can happen for us? So, yeah, I think that, and then on top of it, when he plays the Rangers, I mean, the crying doesn't stop. The flopping on the ice doesn't stop. Flopping. It's just ridiculous. I mean, the guy takes more dives than Olympic swimmer. It's <laughs> unreal. So it's the combination of, yeah, we wish you had you, but at the same time, man, you are a punk baby to play against. So he, he yeah, really should. Players like that. He should take, he should take elbows to the head more like a man. Oh, What's wrong stop. with him? Well, you know, when he's so short and he leans into it and, you know, it would be a normal hit to the chest of somebody else. I mean, you grow a couple inches before you hit the ice, young man. He's got all the inches he needs right there in the hips and the ass. He'll just redwood tree trunk quad legs. He'll just post up in the corner and drag punks like Truba along his, right along to the front of the net. I'll say this, Mac. He's hated probably more than any other player yeah. in the league in New York specifically. And if the Rangers do, in fact, win a parade, maybe it's a little bit of you guys in our head. There will be Crosby sucks chance at that parade. At the parade? At the parade. Now, it might be me leading them, but they will happen. Okay. Well, that, that shouldn't surprise me. All right, Morass. It's been fun. Uh, people can get us every weekend uh, on BetQL's five-star weekend. And here's the tiebreaker. I think it's real simple because it, it'll be a part of whatever goes down on Saturday night between these two teams. Right now, it is a, I think, an even goal differential between these two teams, despite the fact that the Penguins have won two games and the Rangers have won just we're, one. We're going to go soccer style here? I think we, yeah, we'll, we go, we'll go goal differential. So essentially, whoever wins on Saturday night wins the bet. Whether it's right. in regulation or overtime. Right, or because overtime can only be a one goal difference, right? There okay. you go. So it comes fair? down to Saturday night, yeah. Yeah, well. Let's go. Use that use that Amazon link. Have it handy. You I know what? You I might have shirt. to have, you know, whatever restaurant Pittsburgh's eating at tonight, I might have to have the chef, you know, a couple little droppers. Let's have a little stomach issue going on, and let's take care of business at a Saturday. Come on. Why you got to do that? Uh, that's Because that's the way I roll. I want every penguin having diarrhea. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Marash of CBS Sports Radio and the Beck UL Network. Marash, 
Thanks for doing it, bud. I'll see you on Sunday morning. Later, Mac. We've alerted the authorities in Manhattan and uh, in the immediate area of the Penguins team hotel. If Sidney Crosby has to go all Jordan flu game on Saturday night to beat the Rangers because of some food poisoning, we'll know exactly who to blame it on, Mraz. Uh, so we'll shuffle the schedule just a little bit this coming week. You know, usually Fifth Avenue faceoff comes out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday afternoons or right around dinner time, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or on during your drive home on those days. Um, we will have an episode for you on Sunday this weekend uh, following that game against the Rangers, that prime time game against the Rangers on Saturday night on ABC and ESPN and ahead of uh, a Monday night game at home against the Ottawa Senators, who for a, a hot minute there felt like they were going to be able to chase the Penguins down perhaps in the wildcard standings. Not so much anymore, but nonetheless, big game against Ottawa on Monday night once the Pens get through Rangers week. And then we'll do another episode Tuesday to look back on the Ottawa game and ahead to a back-to-back road trip to Colorado and Dallas. Two really big games. Wednesday, uh, national TV on TNT against the Avalanche. And then Thursday, national TV on ESPN against Dallas uh, before we get back on our regular schedule next Friday, March 24th. So uh, Sunday and Tuesday this coming week for Fifth Avenue Faceoff. You know what's really easy? You don't have to write any of this down or remember any of it. If you just subscribe to the podcast in your Odyssey app, just tap the little follow button up there in the right-hand corner as you're listening to this. Or if you're watching on YouTube, as you can do on 93.7 The Fans channel on YouTube, just hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. New videos to you every time we post one. We post whole episodes now on 93.7 The Fans YouTube page of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Wherever you get your podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, review let us know how we're doing we'll get a mailbag episode in here as well maybe soon maybe that's part of it on sunday keep an eye out on my twitter at the chris mack and at 93.7 the fan maybe we'll turn sunday's episode uh into a little bit of a mailbag so if you have questions hit me on twitter you can always email as well chris.mack at odyssey a-u-d-a-c-y.com and we'll do it again on sunday another episode of fifth avenue face off